So my name is Kelsey Martin, and I am the Partnership Engagement Coordinator for Women of Hope International. We're a small ministry. We're based out of Memphis, and we work with women with disabilities in Sierra Leone, West Africa. Uh, we incorporated in 2009, so we're fairly young. Um, but I just wanted to introduce uh, Kim Carbo is my one of my best friends and my boss and um, <laughs> and my partner in crime and um, and also the Lord has just uniquely uh, knit our paths together. Um, so I was born with a disability, uh, and the Lord has just taken me through a journey of seeing it as a gift. And we just came from Steve Saint's uh, workshop, so please, um, as soon as they download or get everything online, please listen to his, his seminar. I'm still shaking from it. But um, anyway, so Kim Carbo, we're discussing bringing holistic transformation to the women with disabilities today. And, um, well, before we begin, um, also, we have Hannah Rivers is our, she is our fair trade intern right now, um, and she is working closely with us on, um, just finding other, other venues to sell products that the women, um, are making in Sierra Leone as well. Um, so before we begin, I just want to pray real quick. Father God, we thank you that, um, that you are a God who cares about um, those who sometimes it, it appears the world forgets about. Lord, we thank you that, um, that your power is made perfect in our weakness, and we just come before you, we confess that we are weak and helpless, and we need more of you, God. And we thank you that you desire to be in an intimate relationship with us, and so Lord, we pray that you would increase and we would decrease today as we look at uh, just the things that you care about, Lord. Um, and this is just one people group that you, in particular, um, desire. Uh, you uh, you knit them specifically in their in their mother's wombs, Lord, and, and you want to be in intimate relationship with them, Lord. So we pray that we would just be open to you and um, hear what it is that you want to say today. Um, so thank you, Lord. We say these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for coming. Um, i got to give you a heads up because if you, well, it's like 2.45, right? So if you're feeling a little sleepy and you're like, you know, this would be a good one to take out. And um, I have to give you a heads up that we're not going to talk to you uh, for most of this time. So we're going to have you talking. So if you came just to listen, there's some other ones that might be better for you. But if you want to participate, this is a good place to be. Um, so we want to talk about um, holistic transformation. So women with disabilities. So you might be thinking, especially if you're not a woman, which there's only a few of you that aren't, but um, you might be thinking, why just women? Really, the answer to that question is that that's who God called us to. So we're a women's ministry. We're women, um, and we just feel like the needs of women um, in the majority world are unique, and uh, especially in disability. That okay? So in the majority world, women are usually second-class citizens, right? And so if you're already sort of low on the totem pole, but then you have a disability, like the totem pole doesn't even go that low usually for you. So, um, so that's why we really feel like we're called specifically to work with women with disabilities. Um, in, and, and that necessarily means that we also work with children um, because you can't work with a woman without working with her family. And so we work with children um, because we work with women with disabilities. Often, women with disabilities have children who have disabilities. There's a lot of reasons for that, but that's not really the topic of our talk today, so we're not going to talk about that. Um, but basically, so for women with disabilities, there's um, huge barriers, lots and lots of barriers, um, barriers to their education, to health care, to social services, and to justice. Um, it's barricaded first by their gender, like we said, and then also by their disability. And um, this, this creates a scenario where these are the people who really, when you're talking about poverty, in the broadest sense of the word, if you were all in um, Brian's uh, seminar last night, plenary session last night, or any of several of sessions today, um, that, that the poverty level for women with disabilities is really the lowest in the world. And that's from all of, I mean, in terms of poverty being a series of broken relationships, that is still true. It's not just a matter of material poverty. 
Um, and then, consequently, the children that they raise are also living in that, that kind of abject poverty in the broadest sense of the world. Word. So, um, given the societal situation of women with disabilities, um, we feel that uh, true life transformation can only take place in a holistic approach. But it's also a two-fold approach, because um, you, if you're going to work with women with a disability, um, you have to effect change for the woman, but you also need to effect change in the society that surrounds the woman, or there's really not a lot of place for her to go once she kind of sees that, hey, there's, there's something better out there, there's something different. Um, the society has to change sort of alongside her, and those two things also affect change on each other. So as a woman with a disability becomes more aware of who she is, who she was created to be, that she's an Im- image bearer of the Almighty God, that she um, has inherent skills and gifts and capacities, um, and she begins to see herself in a new light, that also begins to have other people see her in a new light as well. So she's affecting change on the society. But then as the society begins to change and looks at people with disabilities in a whole new light, that begins to affect change on the person with a disability as well. And um, if you you don't work in the majority world currently or in the past, if you don't have a lot of experience in that, then let me just kind of preface this whole thing by saying that um, people with disabilities primarily in the majority world are really very, very outcast. Now, people with disabilities in all parts of the world have um, multifaceted, complex issues to deal with. But in the majority world, there's um, really such a social stigma and such a shame that's associated with the disability because of the animistic worldview that somehow this woman or this person um, deserves that, that somehow she uh, caused that upon herself. Um, This is illustrated really well in John chapter 9, where the walking through town and the disciples look at a man born blind and say to Jesus, who sinned that this man was born blind, him or his parents? That's a, a, a symptom of their worldview that obviously somebody caused this blindness. And Jesus, you know, sort of straightens out their worldview. Um, it's a long chapter, and some of the pieces don't look like they fit, but they do. It's a really fun chapter to delve into if you have time. But um, So Jesus kind of takes apart their worldview by saying it wasn't either that this man sinned or that his parents sinned that he was born blind, but so that the works of God could be displayed in him. And so he's saying, you know, it's not, there's nobody's fault. Like, like basically saying, I made him blind so that I can de- demonstrate my works and my uh, glory in him. So there's a twofold uh, approach that disability ministry has to take um, in order to affect real change within the lives of people with disabilities. And then also the, the strategies that have to be taken to affect change on people with disability are multifaceted, and they have to be integral. Um, and we'll talk about that in looking at a case study. And Hannah's going to hand out a case study, and so this is where you guys get to get involved because we're going to really dig into this and take a look at how this works and how this plays out. But um, the needs are complex. They're multifaceted. But um, to approach a woman's life uh, and, and take a look at any one of these aspects of her life and begin to try to affect change on that one area um, is, is not going to be very effective. For example, I'll just give you one example. So let's say economic, because we can tell that people are, in, most of the time, we're going to see people with disability, and they're very poor, materially poor, um, have a real low economic status in the society. But let's say we come in with a program where we're like, hey, let's uh, give everybody skills training, and we'll get them working so that they can produce something and sell it, and they'll make an income, right? That seems like a good strategy, yes? Um, or we'll do microfinance. So we'll give them a loan so that they can start a business so that they can make a living and bam, they, they have a better income status. Um, but if I think that I am trash and if I think that I am cursed by God, that God himself hates me because he made me this way, whatever this way is, um, I am probably not going to be a very successful businesswoman because I'm not going to believe that, one, I'm capable of creating product that anyone is going to want to buy, nor am I going to believe that Uh, anyone would, like, and I can't interact with people. Like, I am so afraid of people, and I'm so shamed by my condition that I can't actually interact with you. So if you're my customer, like, I just sit there and look at you, and you're not going to buy my stuff. Um, And then the society around them is also so broken in their perceptions of them. So um, trying to affect change in just one area is not going to be very successful. So we're going to watch how this plays out in the life of one woman. This is a real woman 
Um, there are more than one person in this room that have met this woman. So if you need verification on this story, um, we can provide that for you. Uh, but go ahead and hand. Everybody's got it. Okay. You guys have uh, part one of a case study, right? Marion's story. So I'm going to have people. There's four paragraphs, right? Is that right? Five. Well, four. Let's combine the last two. So um, if I could get two people to read this, somebody read the first two paragraphs and somebody else read the last three. So just go ahead. Jump in. Marion is a vivacious young woman in her early 20s. When Marion was still a very young child, she contracted polio. Her parents didn't know about polio. They didn't know polio was a disease that could be prevented. They thought polio was the name of a crippled person. The polio robbed Marion of the use of her legs. She was relegated to sitting, crawling, and eating in the dirt on the ground. She was the only child in the village who had her problem, and she thought she was the only person in the world with withered legs. Her family gave her up as hopeless. In fact, when her parents told people how many children they had, they did not include her in the number. Marion became more and more isolated. Her family ignored her and didn't allow her to attend school. She became depressed and angry. People made fun of her shriveled legs and provoked her constantly. The wounds went deep and created a bitterness that caused her to lash out at anyone that hurt her. She became very good at hurting people back with her sharp tongue and wit. She doled out curses on everyone around her, creating more division between her and her family members. In her teens, her family drove her away, saying they never wanted to see her again, and they never even wanted to hear her voice. Marianne decided to attempt a better life. She had a friend who also had a disability, and they decided to leave for the city about 10 miles away. They thought they might be able to make a better life for themselves on the street. Marion and her friend took to begging. Marion met a man who also had a disability, and for the promise of some much-needed food, she became pregnant. She gave birth to a baby boy, but the father's family took him away from her, saying she was an unfit mother who wouldn't be able to care for him. Marion's friend, with whom she had run away, also had abandoned her, so Marion was left alone to beg on the street, sleeping wherever she could to find a place each night. In her own words, Marion was dirty and smelled and didn't bother to take care of her body. Marion believed that the lies that she had been told, she believed that she was trapped and worth no more than the dirt she sat on her. Marion believed that God had cursed her. She didn't know other people who had legs like hers, and she figured that since other people did not have legs that looked like hers, she must not actually be a human being, just some sort of half-human. That's what her family had said, after all, and it made sense. Go ahead and finish it. So Marion had only one interaction with a God she didn't know, a God she felt hated her and was vindictive and punitive, and it was a prayer that said, please, just take my life. Okay, true story. Real woman. Actually, her name's Marion. That's why we called her that. Um, so we're going to talk about Marion. You guys have that case study there in front of you, and we're looking at this chart of um, the, the six different really key areas of a person's life. Anybody, you, me, um, anybody. And how um, these particular areas need to be impacted in Marion's life for her to leave this scenario. Like, this is, this is a pretty desperate situation for Marion. And at this point in time, she doesn't think there's any hope for anything different. Um, so let's talk about, you can mix them up, or we can start with one and move around the circle, however you want to do it. But let's talk about, um, just in her perspective, spiritually, what sort of, impact needs to be made in Marion's life spiritually in order for there to be any sort of movement toward change. I have a daughter that's just like Marion, mm-hmm. and we adopted her from Bangladesh, mm-hmm. and she would have ended up just like that. But we, I'm a physical therapist, mm-hmm. and we did the job of teaching her, look, Marion, God loves you. Mm-hmm. You know, God cares for you, mm-hmm. and he wants you to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we gave her the right, you know, to be able to be in her family, but yet she was crippled and people didn't want her. Mm-hmm. And so she was thrown out in many cases. But I told her, look, you are very capable. You have a great mind. You have good hands. And uh, if you put your mind to it, you can do anything. Don't consider yourself disabled. Okay. And she succeeded in all that, and she uh, has a family, and she's a counselor today helping people with mental problems. 
that's another great, a great um, story, too. Yeah. Um, and I think there's several things we can pick out of that. Um, but one is in the emotional aspect that somebody needed to believe in her. Um, and so I think that's an emotional thing. If somebody believes in you, you think you're capable of a whole lot more than what you're doing currently. Um, and that's what you said. You believed in her. You told her you believed in her. And that really changed her um, ideas of what she was capable of. So we'll put that under the emotional. Um, what else do you see? Let's, you can look at spiritual. Or if you've got something else, go ahead and throw that out. You're not limited by physical lack of legs. Okay. You're not fully the CP. Mm-hmm. And um, keep telling her all that all the time. You're not limited by the things that you can't do. There are things that you can do. Right. But the problems that we have through school, and she will just be 40 next year, is that, and it's still happening, uh, that people who are disabled are talked about by the equipment that they use. True. Mm-hmm. It's still happening. And especially important for this, her physical, her um, physician, who was a, a rehab specialist in Memphis, contracted polio when he was in med school. And they tried to kick him out of med school because he contracted polio. Mm. So this is not that, that far away from right. us. Right, you're right. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay, so we've got, um, well, summarize first and a bullet point. Okay, and where would you put that? The physical. Okay. And also, let's keep in mind here, we've got two aspects we need to look at, Marion and the society around Marion. So as you're looking at your case study, think of both of those aspects. Yes. So we'll, right, we'll talk about that in intellectual. We'll put that under intellectual that the society around us needs to also be educated in right terminology, in right attitudes and thinking patterns and that sort of thing. Yes, yes. The core belief that by Marian and society that it was a curse. Right, right. And that needs to be addressed, right, yeah. Well, intellectually, that comes down to just understanding the truth about the condition Cause and effect. Yeah, cause and effect. So that's an educational aspect um, issue as well, both for the person as well as for um, the society. And we're going to see where that was like light bulbs for Marion when we get to part two, um, when she realized that this was a disease. Like this was not God. This was not a curse. It was God, but it wasn't a curse. Um, that it was a disease that caused this, and she just got sick. And people get sick, and it's okay. Um, that was a real big light bulb for her. Maybe to hear that she's not alone. Again, and so exactly, nice. yes. So social, social, yes, yeah. that support, right, that there's other people like you. You can work together to find solutions. Um, that's very important. Okay, other thoughts that you see there? Yes. Right. And, you know, sometimes here's the thing that's really difficult. Begging is a fairly lucrative profession in some places. Um, and particularly the more disabled you are, the more pathetic you look, um, begging can be fairly lucrative. And so um, there are people who make a choice, though they have the opportunity to change that profession. It's much more work. And, and yet the, the loss in dignity um, is huge. And that's something that they don't necessarily always weigh in. But Marion, among others, has, has figured that out and realized that that's too big of a cost for um, the economic gain. So, yes, um, that goes under economic, yes. Yes? Because people made fun of her, she was yelling, she was that by hurting them, by saying, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So she caused division. Right. She was, it, it became a cycle. So, and it, you know, people that are wounded, I mean, think of yourself, right? You have wounds. If people touch them, you react, right? 
Um, and that's what was happening, too, with Marion and with a lot of people with disabilities, that um, there is a lot of woundedness, layers of it. Um, and so there, that causes a lot of anger and bitterness that just builds up a resentment and it creates division in social situations. Yes. Matt, that they, uh, that it's a great opportunity for outreach just people to bring them to the Lord mm -hmm. because these people have nothing to you know, offer. They have nothing. And they are open to anyone who can help. And uh, if we can give them, they make them in the villages, wherever, these little tricycles and tricycles. And, yeah, there's one. There's one. They make it in a village and uh -huh. much cheaper than that. Uh -huh. And they're very capable of doing that. If Rotary Clubs or some other would give the money, mm -hmm. give this to a person. Mm -hmm. And I say, look, get a job. Train them to do a job. Get, okay, so under physical, I mean, yeah, under physical, we need adaptive devices, equipment, things that are, will assist that person in being able to move into a different and then lifestyle. They're on, they go on by themselves and they're motivated. They can, yes. They will be motivated. If some of these other things have taken place. Because if you put a person in a pet and say, go for it, there's, there's other things that have to be addressed they as well. They see the opportunity to go for it. Yeah. Okay, what other um, aspects do you see? And also with the society as well. I like forgot to check. Provision of economic opportunity. There could be potential employers, potential people who they don't see right. in someone with disability that yes. ability. So right. social, economic, somewhere. Right. Either one of those categories. Really lack of vision. Mm -hmm. So it and that's a really holistic phrase. Mm -hmm. Yes. But you're right, it is it does encompass a lot and it's necessary. I forgot to switch the slide, I'm sorry, this is Marion. Um, so really well there that plays into a number of things but emotional being one of them being you know her the message again being you're not worth anything um, and you can't even care for a baby and um, and then also that it, rather than being a social support to her and helping to helping her coming alongside her to raise that child um, they just removed the child and you know that was the end of it In your case study, do you see any other thoughts that jump out at you there for any of those six areas? Exactly, and that's the thing. It's all tied together. Yes. Exactly. If I'm not worth anything anyway, why should I? Why should I bother? Yeah. She needs a change in view of who God is. Yes, she does. She does that too, but it has to start with knowing more about who God is, so that when you know that you're an image bearer, what does it mean to be an image bearer if you don't know what image you're bearing? Right? If the image that you think you bear is broken, you think God is an angry, vindictive, punitive God and you're made in his image, then you're probably living that out pretty well if you're angry and <laughs> vindictive and punitive. But you've you got to have a right understanding of who God is before being an image bearer means anything, really. So it's, it's both. Other thoughts? In society, 
then there has to be somebody to help them process those questions, too. And so that's a, a social support issue where people have to have right thinking around them so that as those questions begin to come out, they can actually interact with those questions and wrestle with them and come out with some answers that are biblical and true rather than the lies that society is telling them. So are we missing anything over there? We got most areas? Okay. Um, so we've got, we've got that, that interdependence of those six areas, and they're all important. And, and I think in our discussion you've seen that they don't stand alone. You couldn't just take any one of those, erase the other five, and go, well, let's just, we're going to go pr- do a program on this. We're going to have counseling for people with disabilities so that we can help them understand that they are valuable. There's so much more that goes into that, um, that that has to be addressed alongside that. It can't be done in isolation. And so that's why it's so important that we look at, at a, whole, a whole view of the person with a disability, not just them, but also the society that's around them and that is feeding them lies also. Um, and so we want to look at um, then if holistic ministry comes in and begins to address all of these areas in total, um, what might happen? So I'm going to have you pass out. Yeah, go ahead and take part two of the case study, and um, we'll read that, and sorry, there, there may not be quite enough for everybody to have one, so you might have to share. Here, Kels. Oh, you want to hand Okay, so if we can have somebody read for us part two of Marion's story. Um, let's see, there's, let's do the first three paragraphs and then somebody read the last four paragraphs. So go ahead and start. Somebody can read the first three. One day a fellow beggar said to Marion, have you ever thought about going to one of the women of Hope meetings? You should try it. Marion didn't even know about the meetings and she was skeptical, but she agreed to give it a try. Two things surprised Marion at the first meeting she attended. First, there were more women with legs like her.
During one of the meetings, she learned about a skills training class that was going to be held at Women of Hope, and she nervously agreed to attend. The class taught women how to make greeting cards, something she had never heard of. While skeptical as to the use and income potential in this tedious craft, Marianne persevered and became a skilled artisan of greeting cards. Her income changed dramatically. She was able to pay the rent for the small house shared by her, her husband, and her baby daughter for six months in advance. Her family, her small family, finally had enough food to eat twice every day, and Marianne was able to quit begging. She began to work uh, toward getting back her now eight-year-old son who had been removed from her. Shortly thereafter, Marianne's new friends elected her to be trained as a beauty health evangelist. An intensive eight-month training course in health, disability issues, evangelism, and discipleship. It was during this training that Marianne's life changed forever. What made the difference? In Marianne's own words, the training helped me So how do you um, see there the interaction of those six areas in the rest of the story, in Marion's story? How do those six areas interplay to make that change? And she thought she wasn't. Like, she really, really thought that. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, so we see a theological shift first. Um, well, there's, there's a, a self-concept shift, and there's also a theological shift that um, God did not curse her. God did not vindictively punish her for something she had no idea what it was like she doesn't remember when she the age she was when she contracted polio um so she now sees that yes indeed god is responsible for her disability but not for the reasons she thought it's not that he cursed her with it but that this is really a gift that she can actually use this as a gift in other people's lives and her own life um to become something she never imagined so there is a theological shift that takes place and you're right that is a domino effect um, so then where do you see some of the other aspects coming into play? Right. Right. I feel like the whole process started um, when we saw that we were kind of in the social aspect mm-hmm. and talked to her and said about the meeting. Yeah. And isn't that really, like, it's one of my favorite illustrations of the gospel that somebody has once said that the gospel is one beggar saying to another, hey, look where you can find bread, you know? And isn't that really it? Like, that's just it. Um, so, that, right, you're right, that it's that social interaction and somebody saying, hey, I used to be where you are, but I found something different. Come and see. Um, what else do you see there? Mm-hmm. Mhm. 
And she got one of those pets, one just like that. Well, not quite. This is the newer model, but she has the older model of this one. And, um, and that also allowed her to be mobile with her child because she now had a baby daughter. Well, if you have two crutches and you have to use both of them, you are not going to be carrying your baby around with you. So that allowed her to be able to go places with her child as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't think she actually got married. Most of our women have a man, but they're not actually married. Um, so Marion's been with this same man for a while, though. And uh, they have a house together and they have a baby together. So, and they're still together. So that's, that's a positive thing. It's different than this other guy who just was, you know, kind of in and out and that was it and he's gone and she got a kid, but that's all she got. It was more work and then more burden as people then, you know, took him away. So this man has been with her for a while. He's also disabled. Um, and, but actually now she is the key support of that family. Um, and so, you know, that has really changed the dynamic, and there's a lot more respect for her, even within her home, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> She's working on it. She currently is working on getting back that, that son, yeah. Um, it's been difficult, and uh, it's, it's a painful place for her, but she is working on trying to get him back. He's been without, I mean, he hasn't been with her for his whole eight years, though, so there's, you know, a lot at play there. I think another, like, key thing, if you look in there, um, Marion became something different. I mean, obviously, Marion became something different. That was kind of an understatement. Um, but if you, if you look a little deeper, so Marion started out as a beggar. What does Marion end up being? She's a giver. She is able to provide education to her neighborhood. She is now actually hired by a disabled organization, and she is training other people to make greeting cards so that they can sell them and create an income as well. Um, Marion also gives to people within her neighborhood. She told me the story of how she, in her pet, if, it's, if there's any incline whatsoever, these are not as easy to ride as they look. Um, if there's any incline at all, there's no gears, so it's, it takes a little work. Um, Marion is one strong woman from the waist up. So um, she, um, but the inclines are difficult. So usually people that have these will have a child that comes along with them and pushes if there's an incline. Um, Marion doesn't have a child that age because her son who's that age is somewhere else and her daughter is only a, a year. Well, she's older than that now, but she's like two now. Um, so she's not going to push. Um, so Marion would hire people's children in the neighborhood to walk with her when she was going to work. <laughs> And push her, and she would give them a piece of candy or uh, like a coin, and they would go home like thrilled. I just made money. And their parents would be like, where'd you get that? And they're like, Auntie Marion. So what do you notice? She's no longer the polio. She's Auntie Marion. And she just was able to employ someone's child, either with a piece of candy or whatever. I mean, it's a kid, right? So she just like had somebody's child help her, and she could reward them back, which in the past she never could do. So she's now gone from being a taker being a giver, and that's a huge shift as well. She's now contributing to the community um, instead of taking from it. Yes? Somebody, did somebody buy the uh, tricycle for her? Pets are always given away for free. Oh, free. Yeah, they are. They're always given away for free. Um, Vaughn over there can talk to you more about pets because that's his work, and uh, he would probably love to do that. But pets are shipped all over the world, and they're always given away for free. So there's other there's distributors within different countries that you know they'll get a shipment and they will. What country is she from? Sierra Leone. Marion's from Sierra Leone. What does it stand for? Personal energy transportation. Ooh. <laughs> it is. Yeah. She, yes, there's, there is a local church. There's a number of local churches in the area. Um, Marion, to my knowledge, has not begun actually attending church on a regular basis, but Marion does attend um, Bible storying groups and things like that, and she's part of sort of a discipleship process within Women of Hope. So she hasn't sort of yet branched out to sort of become part of a larger faith community. Um, there's a church that meets where she lives that I think she attends sometimes. Um, it's sort of an ecumenical thing, though. It's not necessarily evangelical. Um, but she has started to access um, points of faith. Yes, Vaughn? No, one, one of them talking about the uh, branching out and going into a, a church or interacting with other believers. 
no, no. And that, that goes back to that whole um, shift that has to happen in society as well. There has to be a theological shift in society. Society has to realize that, that one, these are people that are part of our global body, whether it's the body of, particularly in church, the body of Christ, that they can become part of the body of Christ and be a contributing member of the body of Christ, not just a, a point of ministry, um, but really an active member of the body of Christ. And, um, and so that's still a process that the church in Sierra Leone and much of the world is still going through. I wanted to kind of give you, these are some of Marion, actually Marion made these cards. We have other people that make cards too, but Marion made these. They're all blank on the inside, so these are just, it's a set of, this is called the working women set. Um, there's a market lady. And there's three women going to market. So these are just some of Marion's cards. Um, and uh, there's others over there that, not necessarily Marion made, but that are women made. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to smack you in the face is what's going to happen because you're going to go in with the idea that you're going to make an impact on this area and you're going to try and you're going to find that you're failing and then you're going to wonder why. Um, and then you'll start to see that this person can't study because they don't have enough food to eat and they can't learn well because they think that they're not capable of learning. Um, Marion was shocked to find out how intelligent and smart she was. Like, she had no idea. Very intelligent woman. Um, very articulate. And, uh, but she was very surprised. We had another woman who started making these cards. She had never gone to school. Marion had actually taken a couple years of school before she got sick and then had to quit. But um, we had another woman who, in her village, started making cards. She had some of them with her in the village. Didn't often take them home with her, but in this case did. And people started gathering around, like, what is that? And she's like, well, they're called greeting cards. Well, first of all, so when we started the class, I just have to tell you this is a funny story. So we started, we had the skills-making class, had a woman that came in, designed the cards, came in with the templates, started teaching people how to make them. And they're like, what is this again? And they're like greeting cards. And they're like, what do, you, what do you do with these? Now, mind you, these are people that never held a pen, never written a letter, never received a letter, didn't know how to write, and didn't even know about postal services, right? So they're like, people buy these? And we're like, trust us, just give it a try. And yes, they will buy them. They really will. And, uh, and so they were a little, well, a lot skeptical um, at first. Like, this is going to be income producing. Not sure how this is going to work. It's also very tedious. This, these cards have a lot of steps in them. They are very tedious crafts. I would not do them because um, so, I'm not into tedious. But, um, but they started doing it, and they started seeing, like, amazing results, and people really did like them, and they really did buy them. Well, this woman took hers home to the village. She's like, they're like, what is that? She's like, greeting cards. They're like, did you make that? And she said, I did. I'm creative, and I never knew it. And so it was just, you know, eye-opening for her that she could create and that she had inherent skills and gifts in that, um, but she didn't know. So I think that, to answer your question, that you're going to, you can try. Um, and, you know, in the words of Dr. Phil, how's it working for you? You know, that's what's going to come back to. Um, so in the end, it, it just, it doesn't work very well. Um, and you might make a, a minimal impact. It'll probably be temporary. So, and there's been lots of programs out there that have done different things. And you wouldn't say that that, that merit is um, unworthy, okay? So, for example, if you provide someone with crutches and a pet, you have done something good. Like, that is a good thing because getting people up off the ground and able to move is a good thing in and of itself. Is it going to result in holistic transformation? Probably not. Um, so, because there's so many other factors that have to go into that. So, is it going to have an impact? Yes. Is it going to have a holistic transformational impact that really, like, plays out into that person's future and then into eternity? Probably not, unless there's sort of other facets that come into play with it. So, it's not to say that a specific program in one aspect is, doesn't have merit. It does. Um, but it's probably not going to achieve the purpose of holistic transformation.
And that's the thing, you know, like in our ministry in particular, in, we work right now only in McKinney, only in Sierra Leone. We have about 350 women. Now, when you're doing fundraising and grant writing and uh, donor acquisition and you start spouting figures, those are not very impressive figures. And it's not, doesn't look real, real like, woo, let's get on board with that. But the results have been phenomenal. And um, so, you know, we really feel like God is just calling us to be faithful in a small thing because it's reaping really large results in individual people's lives. And that's really where um, we have to kind of come back to over and over again because our, our, our humanness our, and the pressures of the NGO community are going to be constantly driving you to go, go bigger, scale up, do it, do it more, you know, and, and you can, but not as holistically. You can't build, re- and it's all about relationships, right? You can't build relationships. We have a staff of 12, um, six full-time and six part-time staff members in Sierra Leone. They're the ones that do all the work. Those people cannot build relationships with thousands of people. And at the level that we're at right now, we can't hire more to go into other areas and do the same thing. So we're just going to be faithful with these few because there and now our women, Marion and others like her, have said, hey, you know what? This is a great message, and we have had so much change in our lives. Let's take this message. We know people that are about three hours north and in an area that's much more remote than McKinney. Let's go tell those women with disabilities because they're all sitting in the dark, and they don't know that God didn't curse them and that there's other opportunities available for them and that they are actually valuable human beings. They don't know that. So let's go tell them. And so they are now mobilizing to do monthly outreaches um, further north. And so that's, I think, that's what we're praying for is an organic movement of women who've been changed saying, hey, let's go tell other women that there's possibilities out here that we didn't know existed. So, um, so you can pray for that, too. Thank you. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our staff are all fairly union. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now we, our office here really is a support office to the office there. And so Women of Hope Sierra Leone does the work, and they're on the ground. And, and our office here is really supporting that, spreading the word, talking about it, and raising funds. Um, we have put in place a plan now where we're going to start to phase that out. So there's money out there um, for disability work, gender-related issues, things like that. So there's, there's money out there, and our staff there is now, like, really cognizant of that. Like, we don't want our money coming from over there forever, so how do we start making this work? And so eventually it will start to incrementally phase out so that they're starting to acquire funds themselves. So we are trying to work ourselves out of a job. Right, whatever that would be. Yeah, yeah, that's the goal. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yes, ma'am. Who are profoundly disabled? Profoundly disabled. Just for example, our daughter, CP, electric wheelchair, not able to transfer, to do anything. Um, I was out very verbal. We took her on a mission trip to Mexico, up in the mountains. One power source, so we could keep a pure plug, so she'd keep going. Ran over a mosquito zone we didn't think about, plus bicycle tire repairs, fixed the tire. Took her into the church. Four years later, we come back. The church has realized because we took Elizabeth in and went through the effort for this disabled child. They now brought their severely disabled child out into the community. We also saw within the town themselves, because we spent a day trying to access the town, when we came back, there were curb cutouts, etc., that made it a whole lot easier. And I don't know what our presence did. I just know the difference between when we were there and when we came back. Mm-hmm that even within the church, there was a shift. Yes. Because we, as Americans, 
brought our severely disabled child, wheelchair and all, <laughs> on her senior mission trip. Right. And it seemed to give them the freedom to bring their severely disabled child out to hiding. Right. Right. And I think um, that, in and of itself, um, ascribes value to Elizabeth yeah. and her disability and how God was glorified in her disability. Oh, she had a blast. Kids who never had been around children with right. Right. And and I think that by and large, people with disabilities by and large are going, and particularly in the developing world, because profoundly, I mean, to be honest, profoundly disabled people are fewer in the developing world than they are here because they aren't going to live. So there's fewer profoundly disabled people in the developing world. But regardless, that, that, they're, that, that shift, they're hidden, and that shift has to take place, that the value of a person is not in their productivity, and we're as much to blame in North America, or maybe more, than the developing world in that, that our value is ascribed to our productivity. And so if we can shift thinking and, and really examine a biblical view of disability um, and a biblical view of human life, that we are inherently valuable because God has stamped us with his image, that that will begin to change how people see their own child with a disability, that it's not a curse but a blessing, that God has given them a gift. Um, and that child may never, like, produce anything. Right. Um, but it has value as an image bearer. And, um, and so that's really the shift that has to take place. And that's, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's very difficult. We haven't made it yet here. We're killing off all our Down syndrome kids before we see them. So 90% or more. So we're, we're making sure they just don't exist. Exactly. So we haven't made that shift, but that's the shift that has to be made. So um, I think that's, you know, those are the, the types of issues that, that surround disability um, in the developing world particularly, but even really in our own thinking. And, and I tell you if, you, if you start working in disability, you're going to think that you've kind of got your, your act together on your thinking and that you, you know, no. Yeah, you're going to be like smack up against your own biases and prejudices and thinking patterns that are wrong, um, unbiblical thought patterns, and, and it really is going to just drive you to the, to the word. Right. The wheelchairs are going to go do this. Well, how are the wheelchairs? I can find questions. <laughs> 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 I do this with my own daughter. I'll ever conversation with Because it drives me crazy. You're not defined by the thing. Right. Well, and I don't know if any of you were in Steve's seminar right before this, but he, you know, he gave his testimony as to how his life profoundly changed, um, you know, suddenly acquiring a disability at the age of, I don't know, what, 60-something. So here's the thing. No one's exempt, right? Like, you might not have been born with a disability, but you don't know what tomorrow holds, you know? Um, and so any of us is, is one moment away from a disability, and so we need to adjust our thinking so that we're ready um, if and when that affects our lives through someone we love or through our own life. But um, his, his testimony of sitting in a wheelchair and having people talking about him over his head as if he wasn't there. And here he is, like a, a world-renowned, very, you know, well, a very important guy, really. Let's just be honest. Um, and so he's just sitting in a wheelchair. All of a sudden, he becomes nothing. You know, he went from, hey, can you come and speak? No, I'm sorry, I've got four other ones that day. You know what I mean? To, hey, anybody been talking about Steve lately? Or Steve? And he's sitting there, right? So um, just just our our mentality and how we view people and, and what how we approach people with disability and that they're they're people um, and then they have issues don't you have issues I got issues um, so you know that's really what we need to keep in mind yeah Jeannie uh, I, I remember when our daughter Michelle uh, very very active
having a picture this summer scaring me half to death. It's Michelle jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> and she and Rebecca, this girl that she had totally not seen when she was able-bodied, went said, hey, let's go jump out of an airplane. So they did. And Michelle, my daughter's husband, had a hard time doing so. Do you know why? Michelle analyzed and she said, I think Rebecca and I had an easier time because we are more used to basically putting our trust in another person. Yeah. Cody, he wasn't ready to go jump in tandem. He yeah. had to really think hard. So yeah. you know what? They got strengths that we don't have. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it seems that, like I think the, the lesson that Kim and I are consistently learning too in working in Sierra Leone has just been that until we recognize that that our sin is our disability and that and that, that and that God is a God He wants to make us dependent upon Him, then we really have no business working alongside these women. Mm-hmm. We really have no business well really doing ministry period, but um, but until we recognize our dependency upon Him and uh, and our own disabilities, then um, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, and like, like Steve really pointed out too, that God's strength is perfected in weakness. What better place than in disability to find God's strength perfected? Mm-hmm. Yes. And just to bring that home, when our daughter was put into rehab, and I walked down the hall um, and visited with families who had children who were injured and they were farther along in the process than we were, I saw more courage and more faith on that hall than I've seen anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, there's no character here mm-hmm. that's been developed mm-hmm. in the process of this pain. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, short, uh, we short ourselves when we don't take the time to get to know them. true in many places. In Sierra Leone, that is not. That This is typical in Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. But you do find exceptions. There are exceptions, yeah. And, and one piece that did make it into the part two of the story is that Marion's step-family, her parents both died. She was left with no one um, except the step-family, and that was where the final outcast came. But she had made herself a pain in the neck by that time. Um, and when she left and she was living in McKinney later, this was after she had kind of gone through some of these processes, People started talking about her, and word started reaching back to her village. And she, um, they actually sent a spy to go and figure out, like, something's up with Marion. Could you go and find out what's going on with Marion? Found her, like, dressed and clean, smelled good, going to classes, making cards, making an income, paying for her house, and goes back and is like, I don't know what's up with Marion, but that is not the same Marion that left. Um, when her step-parents got into a huge conflict with each other, like they were about to separate in part, they called Marion in as their mediator and asked her to help them talk through their conflict. She was blown away, blown away. So it was, yeah, it was a profound change, even within her family, that they saw her value had risen so high in their estimation as well. Our time is up. You had a question you wanted me? Go ahead. I can ask it later. Okay. We'll be here for a little bit, so if you want to stay, we're good. Um, But if you have somewhere else that you need to go. Um, feel free. And you can actually purchase some of Marion or other people's cards if you wish. So they're there. And there's some other materials there if you want to.